Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, everybody in between. This is Feature This, a fan edit podcast. Welcome back, and welcome, my old friend, Greg, you there? I am here. All right, all right, all right. So uh, today we get to try something a little bit different than what we've been doing before. Um, Previously on the other uh, episodes, you could hear uh, us talk about specifically one particular movie and then one particular fan edit of that movie and uh, with all the episodes with me and Greg we did that for all the Star Wars pictures at least one through six Uh, today we're doing something a little different we're going to be talking about episode seven which has come out and we've watched it uh, several times both of us and uh, the movie the the I think the blu-ray has a release date is it April have you looked into that yet uh no all right I think it's April so I imagine you'll start seeing the fan edits of that pop up, you know, halfway through April, and the end of April, that kind of thing. And uh, so really what this is, is you and I sort of continuing our uh, our trail of uh, Star Wars uh, uh, dialogue into now Episode 7, since it's out and it's the highest grossing picture of all time, not accounting for uh, inflation and whatnot, and uh, go from there. So uh, my my impression of Episode Seven was that it's it's good it's it's a great Star Wars movie but it's a good regular movie if if that makes any sense. Um, Say that again. I, it's a great Star Wars movie, but it it's a good movie. Okay. Here, I, yeah, and uh, I, I've been talking with people lately about how you know how would how would I further elaborate on that and I have this other metaphor. That I'm going with this. If you can imagine um, the Star Wars saga being a, like a baseball player, and uh, the first time we see this uh, the baseball player, he comes up to bat, points to the the stands, not, not only hits the home run to the stands, but it goes outside of the park, and it, uh, the you know the uh, the the covers ripped off the ball. Everything just go. Everybody's just going nuts, right? And the second one is a, another called shot. And then the third one, eh, it's a solid hit, but it's not, uh, you know, you're not, you're not rounding the bases. And then the, the last three movies have been sort of a, a struggle for this batter. He's kind of popped out and line drive to shortstop, that kind of thing. And then here we are, episode seven. We're rooting for him. We want him to come back. We know he's got a lot of training done in the, in the off season. We want him to come back and hit that home run. And he hits it really square and solid. And it's a nice drive to the deep uh, right field, and he gets a triple off of it. But it's not a home run. And uh, but you, it's a solid hit. We're back on base. Everything's looking forward, looking good. And um, we all know that he didn't swing for the fences. He swung for the triple, and that's what he got. 
And so uh, that's that's sort of my the end of my, hopefully the end of my metaphor on this is that we have a really solid movie that was uh, that they weren't swinging for the fences and uh, it's a great start to uh, and a great uh, reset for what will be hopefully for eight and nine. So that's that's kind of my impression of uh, of episode seven. What about yourself? Uh, yeah. I would agree with that. I, you know, I've, I've, I've mentioned to you my initial impression, which I'm still kind of iffy about whether or not I think that, and that is is that it's more like we just saw this fantastic shutout uh, baseball game. If you know anything about baseball, you'll know what that means. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it was like, that was great. And, you know, it started off kind of – okay, I'm looking at Cronaut, like, in the order of the movies – Sure. And the first couple of innings, there was like no hits, which you know most innings in baseball, there's no hits. Um, so to be fair, I, I, hope, <laughs> but, I hope we don't take this metaphor and ram, ram it into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, so okay, when I say there's no hits, I meant there was no runs. To be fair, there probably are hits, a lot more hits than uh, I'm suggesting. But anyway, uh, and then you know it gets better, and like. You know the, the your team is, a, is you know knocks it in and in the in the you know seventh and eighth inning and then the ninth inning is like kind of uh, more a little bit slower and you're like wow that was a great game and then somebody comes out and says wait we're adding on some more innings okay exactly I, I'm not I'm okay. not sure I, I'm not sure I follow your where you're going with the metaphor there okay. need more innings wasn't the game sufficient okay so you feel that. Episode seven, regardless of its qualities, is kind of superfluous to what we got through. Well, no, 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 no. That was my initial reaction. Okay. Actually, to be fair, that was my initial reaction when I heard they were going to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did not go into the theater expecting to have that reaction either. So it wasn't like, you know, a self-fulfilling prophecy or anything like that. But uh, the, the, the reason I say that is because, you know, you know they're talking about making – you know more Star Wars movies that are not part of the. I mean, they're they're part of the story. They're officially part of the story, but they're mm-hmm. not. There are different stories. Right. They're not the the Whereas the Anakin saga. Episodes one through six. It's not different stories. It's one long story. Mm-hmm. And so, I my my concern is, is this another story with the same characters? Or is it a continuation of the previous story? Is this a sequel, or is this episode seven? Well, uh, after reading, you've read the book now, right? Yes. And does the book shed any light on to whether or not it feels more sequely or more episode seventy? Well, uh, I, I, I'm I'm definitely more in the camp now that it seems like episode seven. Uh, I was a little disappointed in the book. Uh, because, well, I kind of was uh, knew I was going to be disappointed when I saw who wrote it. No offense to <clears throat> Alan Dean Foster, uh, but he's not my favorite writer. And um, What are you doing over there? You fall over? Oh, <laughs> I was adjusting it so that I could look at the book cover while I talked. <laughs> okay. um, but it, uh, it had some good moments in the writing, but most of it was... I, t- I mean, I, I told you, oh, just give me a couple of days, I'll finish this book. And, you know, sometimes it takes me longer than a couple of days to finish a book. 
but I knew I would get through this one fast because I knew it wouldn't there would be nothing in it that really you know I had to slow down and process you know I understand I understand or and I and part of the reason I knew that is because I'd seen the movie three times you know when I the last book I remember or the last movie I remember was episode three and the book was superior to the movie in virtually every way and I read it first so I went into that movie already with like a crutch so that it couldn't no matter how bad the movie was it wasn't going to be as bad to me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but this book didn't really there there were some there were some scenes in the book that weren't in the movie Mm -hmm. which I understand most if not all of them were shot they Mm. just were deleted scenes yeah. Um. But to me, the the two things that I cling to to suggest that this is not just new adventures with the same characters, but a continuing story, are things that I don't know if you want to get into right off the bat. Um. Well, let's do a let's do a bird's eye uh, synopsis real. Uh, a bird's eye review, real quick. Um, I think both of us are, are are kind of in the camp where this is, uh, it, it's it's a we're we're happy with it, but we're not blown away. Um, I eh, I'm more than happy with it. And after seeing it three times, I'm more than happy with it. Okay. Um, and t- to say I'm not blown away, well, I don't know. That's a hard thing to say because I'm comparing it to something that I've known for you know twenty some odd years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more than twenty years, way more than twenty years, and uh, that I never saw the originals in the theater. So I don't know. I, th- I think I think I feel like I probably am blown away by it. I just am not reacting that way. If that makes any sense. Uh, in part, it feels like you're <clears throat> hedging your well. Your, okay, uh, your stance. I, I I don't want it to come across as if I think ho hum. I got you. I got you. Like, um, yeah. So to me, the when I think about this movie, the the big things are the things that are the weakest, and the small things are really, really good. Okay. Um, to me, the first twenty odd minutes are fantastic, and the the movie starts hitting its speed bumps uh, right around the time Han and Chewie show up. Um, mm-hmm. But all the stuff leading up to that, I really liked. Um, I even liked. The opening crawl starting with uh, Luke has vanished. Luke Skywalker has vanished. I love that line. Uh, it, w- it was to me that really pulled me in and made me think, "Oh my gosh! Well, he's gone. Well, no wonder he's not in the posters. Where is he? What happened? What's going on?" You know, all of those questions like uh, immediately came to my. F- I was immediately engaged uh, when I when I read that, um, and that's good in the small sense. Like in that moment, it's it's great. The problem in the big sense is that. If you're going to say Luke Skywalker is, um, you know, that his, be- his him being gone or him having vanished is arguably, the, you know, the point of this movie. We're going to address this at the closing when we finally get him. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's this big, OK, now now everything's getting real, you know, yeah. um, her handing him the lightsaber is shot well it's it's executed well and there is sort of this cool kind of idea of this um you know this girl alone this loner girl who at the end of this adventure ends up handing luke his own lightsaber i think on on paper that sounds really good except that you know she didn't earn the lightsaber uh the lightsaber didn't seem to play a role in um 
you know, the conflict between uh, the First Order or whatnot. Even finding Luke Skywalker was sort of a, a happenstance thing because we're not really sure what is what it is that brought R2-D2 to turn on. Um, and so what ends up starting off being such a great little thing, uh, you know, really compelling narrative, Luke Skywalker has vanished. In the end, uh, when you think about it, it ends up being kind of... Uh, kind of weak like the i always said that you know episode four one of the great things about that 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 story is that one thing causes the next thing which causes the next thing and so on um but in this one we have a uh, too many moments particularly in the second act where you have uh unrelated things that seem to come out of nowhere and uh, they don't feel like they they really build to what would be the the resolution Everybody should have cheered when she handed him the lightsaber, all knowing what that entailed. Now we see them looking at each other, and we don't know what they're thinking. And I think that's a, the overall one of the overall problems with the movie. Yes, I would agree. Uh, that was that was as soon as I realized, oh, this is the last shot. I was disappointed, and it wasn't because, oh my gosh, this is so great, I want to see more. It was because every Star Wars movie I've seen before that. There were years in between them, mm-hmm. and unless you show me the rest of that scene that you just filmed, I feel like you're cheating the audience. Mm-hmm. So unless this movie picks up right where the last one left off, which no, which is an un-Star Warsy thing to do. Except we do feel like there's not a whole lot of time between five and six. But just the same. When episode five ends and they're standing there uh, in a little medical area watching them falcon uh, fly off, you're not thinking to yourself, well, what happens in the next minute? You're right. You're right. We do. Exactly. Uh, see, that's the thing. Like, if, if, the, if the plot... Why did they that, cut it off there? They cut it off right before the most important part. <laughs> you know, well, where Luke goes to the bathroom. If the plot had had given significance to the lightsaber, significance to what it means to giving it back to Luke, and significance of him taking it, then we wouldn't need. Then that would have been the resolution. Her finally handing. I kind of get the sense that there was significance to it that kind of got eroded in the editing uh, process on the script and everything. Well, that's I kind of, I kind of, what? Go. Well, go ahead. Uh, because I remember one of the first things I heard about the movie was that it was going to involve. Luke's lightsaber and you know that that was going to be part of the plot and ultimately ended up being much smaller part of the plot than I expected uh, yeah well, that, that does beg the question I wanted to ask like because now you've read the book is there any more significance added to the lightsaber narrative there's not more there's not really more um, significance added to the lightsaber narrative they do uh, have some more dialogue explaining why Ray is the one who's going to deliver it to Luke, okay. uh, which I which I kind of like because honestly it did feel a little weird since we really don't know. I mean, the, any connection between Ray and Luke is totally implied. It's never demonstrated. You know, uh-huh. it's like oh, you know, I touch this lightsaber and I see Luke. Yes, but before that, did you have any association with Luke whatsoever? No. After that, do you have any association with Luke whatsoever? Well, I saw some visions. Yeah, um, you know. <laughs> so and, and then we uh, we sort of project onto that, thinking, well, this whole so far everything has been about 
father to son or or mother to daughter. So we we kind of imply. It's it's clear from the end of the book that when she goes to find Luke, she's going there with the intent of trying to be trained. Which okay. is that's that's explicit in the book. It's implicit in the movie. That's interesting because I didn't get that from the movie. Well, that's the thing. Why else would they send her with the lightsaber? Because she's the main character. <laughs> See, now that and that's why I said that's it. That was the movie. Uh, but the more I think about it, um, you know, she's gone there. Like there, they didn't send Leia. They sent her. And I think they explain in the book why they didn't send Leia. I don't hmm. know for sure, but they do explain why Leia was not. Uh, um, in the Republic at the time that it was destroyed, uh, she had sent an emissary to the Republic requesting aid because she couldn't go there herself. Because even if, because she, she knew that eventually, apparently there there were there's enough seediness going on that she can't show her face there without risking her life. Hmm. Um, which that you know that all that makes me want to, is more information about what's going on with the Republic. I'm fine with this with the explanation. All that makes me want to know is, well, why? <laughs> you know, you know, it's interesting. The uh, episode one got hammered for um, what is all this politic talks? I thought this is a movie and adventure. See, adventure none of that movie. ever bothered me. And then uh, episode seven comes out, and we're all going, "Where's all the political talk? We have no idea where these." Uh, factions are in relation yeah. to one another. Well, I, it's think, like... I think the argument is much more valid in episode seven, only because at the end of episode six, there. I mean, the whole movie series, the last six movies, end on okay, the restoration of the Republic, and so to start this movie and that not have happened, or it has happened but slowly, or the Empire's gone but kind of in this corner, and they call themselves something else, like. To be fair, I don't think it ends on the the restoration of the Republic as much as it ends on the end of the Sith. Because if you think about this, if you think of the Empire as 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 Nazi Germany, if Hitler and his if Hitler's if Hitler threw Hitler into a pit and then died, Nazi Germany would have continued on. Mm. Well, I think the the implication is certainly uh, that's why I think the implication is that the uh, uh, the head of the snake has been killed and they can you know move forward although you would suspect that yeah you know some you know upstarter would take vader or or the emperor's place or whatever and it would kind of fester on for a while but um but either way the point is is that in episode seven there are things that are clearly defined the republic uh, i've read a lot about how since then the republic had a huge disarmament and that's why they don't have um uh, its own army, and that's why the rebellion is sort of acting on its behalf in order to, you know, go to the outer rims to uh, take on the first order and whatnot. The resistance, yeah, and it would be I nice. Read any of that, but I, I mean, I believe you. I just hadn't read any of it. Yeah, it, it, it would just be nice if there was. I'm surprised. I, th- I thought that was in uh, that would have been in the books. Um, uh, uh, real quick, the first thing when I opened up the book that made me. Uh, not look forward to reading it was unlike the novelization of any of the other Star Wars books there's a section in the middle with pictures and that just really Uh, that struck to me as this is this is just something we made for the fans to make money not like let's hire a serious novelist to carve an interesting perspective out of the movie let's milk the movie I see And, and, and to be fair Revenge of the Sith didn't feel that way it felt like a novel version mm-hmm. like it's felt like this felt like 
this book felt like the movie on paper, whereas you know, Revenge of the Sith felt like a novel that that you know coexisted in the space of the movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So okay. So uh, I, unfortunately, the 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 entire narrative with the lightsaber is uh, fundamentally flawed. Um, but one of the things that follows that in the after the um, uh, after the opening crawl is we get the introduction to Finn and the attack on that uh, little town in Jakku. I really like that. In fact, I, like I said, I like everything about the first like twenty or so minutes of this movie. Um, I like the fact that we get uh, a stormtrooper who's not really a stormtrooper like we think. Like, there's a throwaway line of dialogue about how they're not clones; um, that they're uh, raised from birth. Um, I, I like that. Uh, I really, 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 really like the uh, the device of having uh, the blood mark on his helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, all the stormtroopers look the same. Um, they're all wearing the same, you know, white getup and whatnot. So having that marker, all, now that's a visual cue. Like we as an audience can like pick him out in a row of uh, uh, of stormtroopers. It uh, it also is, you know, it's blood and like blood is very rare in Star Wars. I don't think um, you actually see like red blood in any of the movies. Is that is that true? I know there's blood when the guy gets his arm cut off in the cantina. But outside of that, I can't think of any other... I can't really think of it. Right. So you have this sort of startling kind of image that's startling compared to the rest of the saga. And um, it's blood. It's not like, uh, you know, it kind of shows that it ties in, like, the guilt and the regret and everything. It would be... You you could do the same thing where he, like, a blaster blast, you know, glances off his helmet and it's marked that way. But then you don't... You don't lose... You lose that other side of the metaphor. Um I just like that that whole thing right there is really I think that's really clever and it's iconic now because now people you can see any kind of stormtrooper but if you put those three fingered blood pattern on it now we know you're talking about Finn it's really good I like that a lot um, then you have the introduction of Kylo Ren and of course we're all thinking okay this is the new Vader is he going to be able to do you know how can he be any cooler than Vader and then he stops that blast in the air that was so sexy. I I think Kylo Ren is a better villain than Vader. Really? Bold statement. Yes. Hmm. Because Vader turned to the dark side in an attempt to out of love. He he, he turned to the dark side, you know, um to save his wife and then when he found out about his kid, he did everything he could to save the kid. You know, um, mm-hmm. Sans cutting off his hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so Vader's, you know, dark sightedness, as it were, was flawed from the beginning. Kylo Ren is a, is different. You know, when Vader in Empire is like hiding, be, being sneaky and hiding things from the Emperor about Luke. You know Kylo Ren is not trying to hide anything because he killed his own father. Mm-hmm. He did. He didn't. You know, if if he goes to, I mean, he, he is trying to be what Vader couldn't be. He's saying, "I want to be. I want. I am. I want the dark side because I want the dark side, not because it's necessarily going to make my life easier." Mm-hmm. You know, um, Vader never would have killed Han. Well, uh, okay, you know what I mean. He wouldn't have killed his father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in other words, what what 
Oh, actually, you know, this brings a great a great point. I wanted to read you a tiny bit out of this book um, that I felt like. Let's see here. Uh, I think it was this. Um, talk for a second while I scan. Um, the thing, uh, the thing that works, really, what really works about Vader in Episode Four and Five. Um, and to a lesser extent, six actually, is how well he's written and how well he is voice acted. Yes. And um, I've even heard like uh, I've heard some audio of David Prowse himself doing the lines um, as Vader was post processed and sounds very Vadery. Right. And it, even if it's the same lines and it's so close, you c- it just does not have that that gripping intimidation that uh, James Earl Jones puts into that performance. Do you know who they originally wanted to do the voice? No. Orson Welles. Really? But they determined that his voice was too recognizable. And so James Earl Jones was, you know, at the time. Kind of a newer newer, newer guy. Um, And that's the problem is uh, Kylo Ren, he is not as well written. Like he doesn't have the vocabulary that is as strong as Vader has in 4 and 5. And he does not have um, uh, the delivery that uh, that he has, and so it's on that merit alone that I'm like Vader's a more intimidating and scary person. But uh, you know, um, the stuff that Kylo Ren does, like when he stops that blaster in midair, I, for the first time, I've started thinking to myself, okay, this guy is going to be doing a lot of stuff with the Force that I've never seen before. And sure enough, like there's three or four things that he does that we've never seen before. Um, catching the blaster in the air, doing the force choke on somebody and dragging and then like tele using to the telekinesis thing and, you know, pushing, pulling them into the choke. Like, uh, um, uh, what was the other thing that he did? There's the, uh, his, he's like, he kind of does a Vulcan mind meld kind of thing. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Whereas Vader needed that little spherical thing to, and, in, in, uh, um, interrogate leia um yeah so uh, may, may, I, may i read you this tiny little bit here yeah yeah go ahead okay ren uh this is a meeting with uh, kylo ren and, and so snoke ren straightened it is your teachings and for those of you that want to follow along that's on page 139 <laughs> uh it is your teachings that make me strong supreme leader smoke demurred it is far more than that it is where you are from what you are made of the dark side and the light the finest sculptor cannot fashion a masterpiece from poor materials. He must have something pure, something strong, something unbreakable with which to work. I have you. He paused, reminiscing. Kylo Ren, I watched the Galactic Empire rise and then fall, the gullible prattle on about the triumph of ju- truth and justice, of individualism and free will, as if such things were solid and real instead of simple subjective judgments. The historians have it all wrong. It was neither poor strategy nor arrogance that brought down the Empire. You know too well what did. Wren nodded once. Sentiment. Yes, such a simple thing, such a foolish error of judgment, a momentary lapse in an otherwise exemplary life. Had Lord Vader not succumbed to emotion at the crucial moment, had the father killed the son, the Empire would have prevailed, and there would be no threat of Skywalker's return today. That's pretty interesting. That really does help to color his 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 motivations, his killing of Han. But it overlooks that 
it overlooks the fact that even if the Emperor had killed Luke, um, completely uh, separate from all that, uh, the Rebels destroyed the bunker on Endor, and then they blew up the Death Star. And, the, you know, Vader and... Well, okay, granted, Luke wouldn't have survived. That's basically the only difference. Because the Empire and Vader would have died anyway. Oh, in the uh, in the explosion of the Death Star. But Luke would have would not have survived, and that was his point. So I guess that's not really overlooking it. Um, mm-hmm. That's his point. Is it's because Vader? It, they they're saying it was Vader. It's because of Vader's weakness that we are now looking for Luke Skywalker today. I almost wish that you, if if Star Wars like you could change a little bit of the format of it and. And have that as like an opening text of the movie, you know, like instead of the crawl, mm. it's just that that little not the whole dialogue, but the ending of the word sentiment. Yeah, um, that would be. Uh, I, I hope that that line. Uh, it's it's it's. I wonder how much of you know what deleted footage we'll end up getting uh, to be able to play with on the fan editing side. Um, but that's a really. I like that. I like that dialogue a lot because that does help yeah. paint the picture of what Kylo and Snoke are up to, or what they're. Well, into. it, it uh, yeah, it really, it really fleshes out Kylo Ren, in my opinion. This yeah. is this is his understanding of reality. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what did you think about? Uh, I thought the introduction of Poe was a little mishandled. Well. Okay. So in the opening crawl, they specifically refer to, and okay, I first of all, I really am still trying to gra- grapple with this whole map thing. I understand that the empire uh, was, you know, it's totally believable that the empire was trying to, you know, hunt down and destroy all the Jedi temples, and that, you know, they had records of where this original temple possibly was. But why is there a piece missing? I don't know. I don't, I still don't really get that. Well, um, many Bothans died in order to get us this piece. Well, yes, I don't really understand why that piece is missing uh, from both the Imperial records and R2's records. Which I read somewhere that the suggestion is that R2's records came from the Imperial records because he's hacked into the Empire so many times. Um, but um, in any case, the opening crawl establishes that this. That this information, this the the this movie's version of the Death Star plans, if you will, um, are in the hands of quote an old ally. Right. They imply, well, they it's explicit that he knows Leia and that he is somehow connected to the Resistance. What's completely devoid of anything is he's never given a name. Mm-hmm. And it's never explained who he is, even though Kylo Ren knows him, and he knows Kylo's mother. Now, in the book, he has a name. His name is Lor San Tekka. Hmm. I've never heard this name before. Right. I'm wondering if he's just a convenient plot device, or if they, if if in one of the future movies they're going to explain exactly what went down at Je- Luke's Jedi Academy, and that he was somehow involved in that. Yeah, or yeah, or leave it open for other media, whether it's uh, video games or comics yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he clearly is a friend of the family, but when it says an old ally, it makes it sound like we're supposed to know who he is. Yeah, because they specifically reference Leia and they specifically reference Luke, you know, and then they re- specifically reference him. The three people that are specifically referenced and and Poe 
Oh yeah, and Poe. Yeah, right. So you have two no-named people who are referenced in the opening crawl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I really feel like his his introduction was too heavy-handed. Elaborate. Well, I thought the it starts out. I mean, it has a lot of ends on a lot of convenient exposition from uh, Max von Sydow and him about oh, Tomichi's royalty and here's the map and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I almost feel like wait, you could have wait, it where wait. he when when he says Tomichi's royalty, I almost feel like that's that's a uh, telling, not showing. Yeah. Like by the way, I know you're, I'm one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost think you could have the scene um, where it's just the two of them. Uh, it's quiet, uh, and Max von Sydow just sort of pulls back and reaches and grabs the chip, the USB key or whatever, hands it to Poe. The um, the the empire, uh, the empire, the First Order shows up, and then you have that line of dialogue where he says, uh, "You need to get out of here, or you need to hide." And the other one, and the other guy says to him, "Well, you need to leave." Yeah. Um, that's that's really all you need there. Um, if they're not going to get us any further explanation, then let's just have it that okay. Well, that's he, he got the USB chip, and that's all you need to know. Um, but uh, you know, it's the the attack on the ship is still like I said on the not the attack on the ship, but the attack on the that little Jakku town is is done very well. Um, I think all of the things with uh, Ray, the introduction to Ray's character, are really well done. I like that she's like this little scavenger person, and that. Um, she's collecting these uh, pieces to uh, to sell for food. I really like that. Uh, instead of you know when she first gives that when we first see her give her thing uh, give her thing for trade, she's not given like five credits or twenty credits or anything like that. She's given one half portion. Uh, I really like that. Oh, no, it was a quarter portion. Quarter part, quarter portion. I really like that because. Um, uh, we don't know because if in a, I think a weaker screenplay would have said you know twenty credits and then she would say I could I can't even afford a quarter of a meal on that or something like that you know and but yeah. to say one quarter portion it kind of sums it up on uh, really effectively um, and the fact is that she's fighting for food not for money you know yeah uh, I like that a lot um, and I also like when she's kind of hanging out um, by that fallen. Um, What's that? is that a walker, Imperial Walker? And she's got the, uh, the 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 helmet on, the rebel helmet with the the blaster shield. Um, that I feel like a lot of that is really good showing, not telling uh, filmmaking um, of her. Yeah, but the, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, because she has that helmet or she has the the little doll that's dressed in the pilot costume, she must be Luke's daughter. And I'm like, uh, how many people wore that costume? Not just Luke. Uh, that was a standard rebel costume. I mean, yeah, uh, that would be like saying, "Oh, because I'm wearing a, a military hat, my 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 dad must be in the military." I never really got the implication or the impression that she was his daughter. For some reason, that, just, that never was uh, something. Uh, something that was people projected onto, and I kind of thought in retrospect, "Yeah, maybe." Honestly, I honestly, I. If you make her okay. You made you introduced four new characters. You made one of them a Skywalker. Don't make all of them Skywalkers, Skywalkers. <laughs> or Calrissians. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh, by the way, interesting. Um, 
Oscar Isaac, the guy who plays you know Poe. Yeah. He's from Guatemala, and apparently he's from like near where the throne room scene in episode four was filmed, and so he he liked that, and so based on his own suggestion, it is now official lore that Poe Dameron was conceived on Yavin 4. Ah. Uh. That's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I don't think she needs to be a, a Skywalker to be the main character. No. Now granted, we've never really had a main character that wasn't a Skywalker, except for Obi-Wan and, you know. Yeah. Because Han's never Why been like the main character, you know. No, no. Although this was the first time ever where a non-Jedi got top billing in the movie. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Okay. It's also I, the first time ever where someone without any lines of at all gets, gets second billing. Second billing. <laughs> That's probably a first ever. Uh, that'd be yeah. Interesting trivia there. Um, right. So uh, I really like the stuff with Finn getting introduced. I really like the stuff with Ray. I really like the breakout with Poe and Finn on the using the X-Wing. Um, and, uh, yeah, everything is, is going really well. Um, and then, uh, BB-8 comes in contact with, uh, Ray and we end up, and then the action sequence that follows that. And, um, and then they're on the Falcon. I think the Falcon stuff is really good. The way they, the way it's filmed, uh, uh, it turning and, you know, twisting and turning as she navigates it, flying it through the Death Star, all the other stuff that goes along with that. I thought that's just really really well done even like that little sexy moment at the end where he like his the ca- the cannon is stuck and she has to like do this little maneuver to position it for the final shot really cool stuff um and uh and then the millennium falcon gets captured and we get han and uh the first real setback is this whole uh, i consider it a setback is this whole like um thing where these two other like bounty hunters or whatever uh come aboard the ship looking for han and he's selling these uh he's currently uh, uh transporting these giant monster things everything with all of that uh just just felt like it was coming out of left field like they're trying to do something that so far the movie just wasn't trying to go that way and uh i was really and the second time through i was looking for if is there a way we can cleanly edit all of this out? And I think there is. I think we're going to see Star Wars edits, uh, Episode Seven edits, where that's removed. Um, what was your impression of that sequence? Uh, it, I didn't mind the sequence, but I felt it bogged down the pace a little bit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think it'd be better just to go ahead and cut to him giving his Force soliloquy. Uh, that happens, and I also well, uh, it does give them an impetus to get the hell out of there. Well, sure, but they could get the hell out of there by convincing her, you know, hey, this device, the, the, the beep, the convincing Han that the BB-8 device needs to get to, um, uh, needs to get to, um, you know, the rebels or the, uh, the, rebe- what do they call it now? The resistance. The resistance. And I think he would ab- oblige, you know. Um, the, one of the things that I, I missed speaking about earlier that I thought would have been an interesting idea is if instead of having... Uh, okay, so following this, Han takes him to, to the Maz Cantina. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it, but it's the cantina for that other character, Maz. Yeah. And um, 
And that's when uh, Ray has her her force dream. Force. What are they calling it now? Vision. Force vision. Um, I think the execution of that force vision is really spectacular. The way it just like it's changing. Yes, unlike unlike its novelization equivalent. Really. Yeah, I was really one of the reasons I wanted to read the novel is I really wanted to be able to digest everything, and it just was like boom, 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 boom. Sentence, sentence, sentence. There was no real description. It was like if you hadn't seen the movie, I think you would have been lost. Like, what is happening? Oh, she's stuck. She's. It's just like oh, she's standing in Cloud City. Oh, she sees the knife to friend. Oh, she's. You know, it's like there's no real. It doesn't. I don't know. It's just yeah sloppy. My favorite. The way that's filmed is really well done. I like the way it looks like she's like falling through all of those different areas and, and landscapes. It's, it's really cleverly done. Um, um, that's my favorite part of the whole movie. Really? The filming, the, that force vision sequence? Yes, and one of the reasons is because that is one of the two things I cling to to show me that this, this is not, not a, standalone. a sequel. It is a continuation because... Ray is seeing and hearing things that are way beyond her. I mean, you hear Obi-Wan talking to her. You hear Yoda talking. And, you know, you hear Luke screaming no. And, I mean, all of a sudden, it really, it really to me, makes it be like, oh, wait a minute, this is all still going on somehow, you know? Yeah, in fact, I think uh, from an editor's standpoint, it'd be fun to throw in another line or two from episodes one, two, and three just to better solidify... Oh yeah, uh, I I I, I definitely I would have even since 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 we're going back for time I would have even had the haunting Darth Vader breathing somewhere in the background at least like for a second. Hmm. Hmm. Um. So I had an idea that is not going to be filmable or anything, but it, it just occurred to me that it would be interesting if inside of Ray's little um, uh, place that she has in Jakku, where she has a bunch of things that she like, maybe she has a box of stuff that she chooses not to sell. Mm. You know, and uh, and if, you know, when she got home from that one day of hard work, she in that box, she kind of plays like she has some toys or whatnot. And she like plays with and she has Luke Skywalker's uh, um, lightsaber and it's broken. It doesn't work, but it's just an old lightsaber that she's found in all of her scavenging and she's just kept it and never sold it. And as somebody who's kind of interested in that world and, and, and kind of like thinks it's sort of mythical to kind of have a, an old Jedi lightsaber and would just be kind of in her character to kind of keep around. And she would never use it. She would just kind of play with it. Maybe she like does like little things like we do, like making the vroom noises and kind of like swinging it around. Um, yeah. And then it, it's not until she goes to see Maz where Maz or whatever is able to turn it on. And then when it's turned on and she holds it, that's when she has the force vision. Um, I think that that would be a more interesting way of introducing that, that into the world. It's not that Maz happened to have kept it. It's not that it, the, you know, she was just, uh, you know, uh, she was drawn to it. Like the forces, you know, shaping her destiny or that, you know, none of that, or, or we have this throwaway line of dialogue from Maz about, well, how did you get that? It's a long story. I'll tell you later. It's like, come on, weak sauce, you know, like, uh, but the idea that maybe she found it scavenging, um, you know, back in the day and just kind of kept on to it. And then she came, she just happens to come across somebody who knows how to, you know, twist the little crystals this way and that and have it turn on with something. Um, I think would have been an, a better solution for, um, 
for the lightsaber problem that we've uh, already gone over. Well, I th- I agree, but I think having the lightsaber in the possession of someone like Mas Kanata makes more sense than it randomly showing up in a junkyards of Jakku. Well, it doesn't have to. You could rewrite her story where she doesn't have to only be in the junkyards of Jakku the whole time, or you could write it that you know junk comes through on the regular, not just there, but any uh, you know. Like there's a rotation of you know scavengers coming by with all kinds of stuff, and she just happened to pick it out, you know, not necessarily that it was found in the bowels of a fallen uh, star destroyer, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, or she could say that she saw somebody, uh, a merchant that had it, and she traded for it when she was younger and just kept it, and you know. Either way, I like the idea of her having already had it, and it's not that her having it uh, gives her the dream, but her not being able to turn it on. And then that's the thing. that Anyway, um, I've just been daydreaming about how to solve this stupid lightsaber problem, and that was a salute, uh, something I came mm. up with. Um, but anyway, uh, the, uh, the Maz Cantina is attacked because one of, the, uh, one of her guests sees the BB-8 droid, knows that the First Order is after it, makes a phone call, they come in. And um, I really like that shot of the... Uh, the X-wing coming over, flying over the water. Uh, I really, there's something super cool about that uh, in the moment when that happens because it's like, oh yeah, you kind of think to yourself, oh yeah, the uh, there are rebels in this, uh, or there are, there is resistance in this world, and they they probably do know how to kick some ass every now and then, and maybe they do have skirmishes with the First Order and that they prevail, you know, all kinds of things. And you don't really consider that until that moment um, of them on the water. So I, I, I really like that shot. And then the whole attack sequence on uh, between them and the First Order is really well done. Um, the thing that doesn't work, though, is at the end, after uh, Kylo takes uh, Rey with her and Han sees it, and then he comes up and tells Leia, I just saw our son, the following line should have been something to the effect of he's here, he's in that ship, go quick, hurry up, see if you can get it, you know? There are, because it happens like, you know, within 20 seconds, it feels like, of him walking into the plane and her, and then him embracing Leia. Um, I think that there should have been uh, a, a bigger reaction of he was, if he was just here, then they need to put all of their ships on to see if they can take him down. Yeah. Um, so that was a really interesting thing that didn't happen that I was really expecting it to happen. Um, and in fact, I think it would have been interesting if she didn't make the order and one of the less one of the guys on the totem pole says, shouldn't we go after him? And she makes a call not to. And then everybody is sort of questioning her judgment. Mm. You know, are you, are you up to taking down Kylo Ren knowing that it's your son? And making um. her... her uh, her leadership skills in question, which never happens in this movie, which would have been a really interesting character arc for Leia. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like Han knows that right at that moment that he's. I, I mean, I think Han has let let him go. You know, remember Han is the one that was like, "There's too much Vader in him," and I know, you know, blah blah blah. And Leia's like, "I don't want him defeated. I want him back." You know, I think they have a different understanding of, of what to do with him. Mm-hmm. I think Han really looks at him as gone. And when he confronts him and, and Kylo Ren says, what do you think you'll see? He says, the face of my son. I think he's he's just as much channeling Leia as he is talking about himself. Right, but I, what I'm saying is that in this movie, Leia gets no character arc and no conflict that's really significant. 
And yeah. I think you could have played with that with people in the resistance questioning whether or not she should remain in control of it mm. because they don't know if they have if she has it in her to command the the, the killing of Kylo Ren. Uh, I will say that uh, one of my favorite moments in the book versus that I thought was superior to the movie is in the movie he's Han says I saw him Leia I saw her son remember that mm -hmm. that's what I'm book, talking about yeah in the book he says I saw him and that's all he says mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I thought that was way better right and I, I was actually thinking that earlier in the movie the it's already revealed by Snoke uh, to the audience that uh, Kylo is Han's son Mm -hmm. I like the reveal better if we get it there, um, where he says, Han, my son, uh, or, or we saw our son. And um, that would be, a, I think, a, a more... If that was a reveal, then that would be better. But I liked the fact that all she had to say was, I saw him, and that was it. You didn't have to explain that, you know? Yeah, uh, I like that, too. I like that, too. Um So following that, I believe there's the... Uh, oh, by the way... Um, it's 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 never really, you know, explained in the book in the movie, but the book um, clearly indicates that Han and Leia are husband and wife. Still. Well, it, it referred the husband husband and his wife. It referred to them multiple times as husband and wife. Okay. Um, so I mean, you know, we don't really know how things work in Star Wars, but I mean, obviously Leia is Leia Organa and he's Han Solo. She's not Leia Solo, but he is Ben Solo. So it's kind of. You know, it's like yeah, but no. The book clearly says that they are husband and wife, okay. and, that, and 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 it does go into some detail explaining like how Kylo's betrayal broke up their marriage. Not they still love each other, but it was it's one of the situations where we still love each other, but there's lines that have been crossed that we can't go back on, kind of yeah. thing. You know? Yeah. Um. So, following Ray's capture, there's the interrogation scene between her and Kylo, and that's the first time he takes off the mask. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I know what your thought is. You're, you're wishing he hadn't taken off the mask. I uh, have a better solution for it, I think, but go ahead. Well, here's the thing. Regardless of who Ray is, she is somebody. Without a doubt. And here's how I know. Because when, she, in the book, when the lightsaber goes to her, Kylo says, it is you. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So, I think, the, in, in the book, he keeps referring to her over and over again as, and, and I don't, I think this is more pronounced in the book than the movie. I just read the book. I saw the movie a couple weeks ago. But he c continuously refers to her as she's just a smug, uh, she's just a, a scavenger. That's all she is. I, 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 he, he, he's just a scavenger. And then when he grab, she gets the lightsaber, he goes, "It is you." It's like he doesn't want to accept who she is. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to believe whoever she is that she's alive or that she's actually there until that lightsaber goes to her and he says, "It is you." So she clearly significant somehow. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so the idea that he would remove the mask in his first real encounter with her, and I say real encounter because in the forest they were in the middle of a battle. Yeah. Um, I buy it. Um, I'm okay with it because 
I what, hold on. What is going on over there? Like, you've been, like, walking running... Around. Should I not walk around? You're, like, ru running around inside this and that and opening doors and drinking and all kinds of stuff. Oh, and do I'm you hearing... not want me to drink? I'm well, sorry. I'm hearing, like, all kinds of... Well, I'm hearing, like, all kinds of crazy audio over there. I'm trying oh, to, like, figure I'm, out what's going on. I got thirsty. <laughs> Are you... Is the dog next to you panting? What is that? No, that's... Here, I'll sit down. <laughs> Anyway, um, where was I? The reveal of Kylo. Oh, uh, I, I can see it either way. I can see it better. I can see it where it would have been better if he didn't remove the mask until Han told him to. Mm -hmm. But given the circumstances, I think I think he is in I think he is in knowing denial about who Ray is. We don't know who she is, but he does. Okay. And so, I mean, the first time she, that she's mentioned to him, uh, they're like, oh, the BB-8 unit got off the planet. Was was it with uh, FN-2187? Oh, yeah, and there was also a girl. And then he force grabs a guy, drags him across the room, and mm -hmm. he goes, what girl? Yeah. I mean, honestly, if she if, – if, I mean, that seems an, an extreme reaction if she was just a nobody. So you're you're suspecting that there is some he knows that there's some girl that's of, of value of an importance and he well I think know well, that I think it's her. generally believed by people who bother to spend time thinking about these things that Ray Ray's past tr goes back to that Jedi Academy that that Kylo okay. and the rest of the Knights of Ren I see maybe the struck. one that got away kind of thing yeah I got you which gotcha. which could imply that she is a Skywalker and honestly. If they make her a Skywalker, I'll be okay with it. But it just seems like that's. It seems like it would be bolder I don't, to make her. Daughter. I don't like it that she would be a Skywalker because then then it, then it begs the question: about who did Luke meet, and who's her mother, and where's she, and what's the story with all that? I I, I don't want her to be a Skywalker at all. I really don't. Well, I mean, because Kylo Ren could have killed Luke's wife. Uh, but then it's like, oh, well, I mean, that's somebody who'd be extremely important to Luke's life that we as the audience would never get to experience her now. Yeah. And well, it does seem as if she's had a mind wipe. Uh, I hate that idea. I, why can't she just be too young to remember? Or maybe she was young to remember. But that's possible. But it, it definitely seems as if – I mean, the thing is, if you say you hate that idea, but if in fact she was five or six years old and – Everybody at her school was brutally murdered, and the murderers are trying to kill all the remaining people, and you're going to hide her on a desert planet somewhere. Maybe it would be better if she couldn't remember any of that. Yeah. You know, it just occurred to me that, really, Max von Sydow is uh, Obi-Wan to, uh, to, to her. Well, except that we don't know how long... Yeah, but I mean, he's the old guy living in the desert, not too far away. You know what I'm saying? It, yes, it does suggest. It does suggest. I mean, in that vision, when she's saying "No, come back, come back," she's holding on to the hand of Unkar Plutt, the 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 junk dealer guy. That the guy gives know, her the portions. Not a human. Right. Yeah. If it was okay. a human, then, then you could imply, oh, that's Lord Santeca. Yeah, I see what you Matt mean. Matt Sido's character, yeah. and um, and um, is it Sido or Zito? I, I say Sido, but I think others might say Okay, Cito. that's what I always say. Yeah. Uh, 
we're acknowledging our ignorance on that matter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I will say that every time I see him in a movie, I'm always I always get uh, uh, impressed by how good the effects were in The Exorcist, you know, because The Exorcist came out in 70-whatever, and he played an old uh, preacher, uh, priest in that movie, and he looks, like, exactly the same now as he did in that movie, you know, 40 yeah. years ago. <laughs> Very impressive. Um, so, uh, yeah, so he does reveal her. They do have the force uh, conversation, if you will, back and forth. Uh, she does get that really good moment of doing the um, uh, the the Jedi mind trick on the stormtrooper, um, and then we also get the scene where Kylo sort of rages uh, off screen, and the two other stormtroopers decide not to to decide to walk a, another corridor. I really Kylo's like raging is great. It's really good. In fact, uh, I, I was thinking about that first time where you see him do that, where he takes out the saber and is destroying that that control unit in front of them. If you had taken that, because the way that thing is shot is the camera is a couple feet behind Kylo. You see the back, his back, and uh, the damage that he's doing with the, the lightsaber extends out past what's in the frame. And there's sort of like this terrifyingness because you're like, you're really close to this happening. And that guy who's with him in the room is that close. And he can't run away or anything. And so we're feeling that. But if you had done a, a, a shot like at the other end of the room where you could really see what he's doing and uh, get him in the entire frame, it wouldn't have worked. In fact, it would have gone really silly really fast. Um, I really liked it the way that was shot because I think they sold that moment. Um, much better. I think that moment was sold better on camera than it did on the written word on the written page. Mm. Um, and so the next time, of course, you see him wig out uh, is off camera, and we don't need to see it, and that's good as well. The uh, that's his equivalent of strangling officers. Well, that's interesting. I, I thought there was going to be a line of dialogue about that because Vader is burning through all of these leaders left and right through episodes, uh, through episode five. And, um, and I, I can't help but think that, okay, look, uh, we learned from Vader that we can't just kill all the guys that rise to the top. So if you're going to, if you're going to wig out anything, do it on the control system, like, you know, just something else, like, uh. you know, not, because I think uh, I think that'd be an interesting legacy for Vader to have inside the Empire. Is like, man, he's a really good, you know, badass. We're glad to have him on our side, except that he kept killing all of our top leaders at will. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, I'm trying to think. I guess after that, uh, the race sequence is the debriefing sequence with uh, where they talk about, well, it's just a bigger Death Star, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, God. it is. It and is a bigger Death Star. That's really what it is. I don't know why they couldn't have come up with something. To, why do they have? To, why does there have to be a station station to blow up? There, there's so many. There's so many different ways that could have gone. Uh, first off, they they could have said, look. Uh, they well, they could have set up a. The, uh, the 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 star killer to have a weakness yes but then the weakness is a lure like we know that the it's a lure for the resistance like we know like it is a trap a real trap and or it could be the weakness is that you have to kill this thing over here and you can't kill an entire planet but we, if you destroy this thing it, it sets them back 20 years or something like that um, or at least if they could have I mean and granted, we don't need we don't need more space stations. We don't. But at least if they could have said something like, "We're we 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 broke it, not we we blew it up." Right. We That's broke it, saying. so it's, it's still there. Yeah. 
which creates an ominous yeah. threat for five and uh, an ominous threat for eight and nine. Um, well, and it, and well, and it would have been interesting if, uh, granted, the resistance seems to be, you know, pretty limited as far as personnel goes. But um, it would have been interesting if the plan had been not to blow it up, but to lay siege to it, just to try to, to, try to take it. Oh, to try to confiscate it? Yeah. Yeah, that would have been interesting. It would be nice for them to have the planet and weapon for themselves. That could create interesting yeah. comp- tr- controversy in 8 and 9 if they did seize control yeah. it would of be like having. It would be like having the one ring or <laughs> blow it up. Well, wait yeah. a minute. Don't be so hasty. Yeah. There is a throwaway line of dialogue in the movie that I wish was expounded upon, but I think there's a line that says something to the effect of that the the giant laser on the star can- killer um, was somehow merged with uh, hyperspace travel. And I think that they could have played that up as, wow, that's what's so much scarier about this particular planet, this weapon. Yeah, this they can fire weapon. it from another system. They don't have to be there. Yes, they don't have to be right next to it. And then they could kill anything at any time. Uh, that would have been... Uh, that would have made some people go, okay, th- now it's not just another Death Star. Because any the Death Star has to be right up on you, and it's, it's threatening, but at least you have you know some time to think about it. But in this case, with a weapon like that, you as soon as it's operational, you literally can threaten any planet in the galaxy. Really quick, um, somebody told me that um, in one of the Marvel comics that's come out now that you know Disney owns... Star Wars and is redoing the, you know, continuity uh, indicates that um, General Tadge, the one that in the original Star Wars movie that was hesitant about, you know, the rebels could destroy the station and everything, you know, mm-hmm. um, that he was not on the Death Star when it was destroyed hmm. because he had voiced his 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 concerns and was helping the Emperor oversee the building of a second Death Star before the first one was even blown up mm. as, as a failsafe. Oh, and obviously obviously, this is not in the movie, but that does make it feel less like a, a ripoff of a, a copy of the first movie. If, you know, there's a character in the first movie who's saying, look, this station is vulnerable already, and then they, you know, it's a, it's a, and it's from that that they start building the second Death Star, not because the Death Star actually was destroyed. Blew up, yeah. But obviously, that's just in those comic books. I like that idea. And in fact, I would go further. I would say that if he's the guy who's in charge of making the second Death Star, that he makes it in such a way that it cannot be blowed up. And that the thing that actually makes the Death Star blow up in the second one would be the killing of the Emperor. Like, dropping the... Like, I would would have really liked to have seen the scene with the... uh, the X in episode six where they all fly in, they do all the damage and it's just not blowing up or other things are preventing them from causing enough damage. And they're realizing they can't do anything. And then the emperor falls down that giant shaft and that sends out some like energy burst. And then that's the ultimate thing that triggers the death stars explosion. Uh, you would have to do something different with the, um, you know, the, 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 the scene with uh, Vader and Luke, but uh, put them on the star destroyer real quick or something. But anyway, like uh, I, I, I like the idea that the death of the Emperor is really what made the Death Star blow up. Like, they knew... Well, the destruction of the second Death Star, to me, doesn't feel as 
contrived as the destruction of the first one or a Starkiller base because it is a big open construction site. Right, right. I get that. I just don't like, you know, we, we, we've said it before, we don't like them borrowing too heavily from, uh, you know, particularly episode four, the, the one that's worked before. So episode... Well, it's interesting that um, when episodes one, two, and three came out, everyone was like, man, these just don't feel the same as the originals, you know, and that was one of the main complaints. Right. And then when episode seven comes out, they're like, this, this feels too much like, like the original. original. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, well, you pe- you people are, are ungrateful snobs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can't yeah. please you. Yeah. It's hard to find that balance because, you know, on one hand, I want the reveal of Kylo Ren to be waiter, to, to have a little bit more weight to it. And on the other hand, I probably would have been, ugh. Do we have to have like these big reveals in every episode? Why don't you just take off the mask when he's talking to her at the beginning? You know, like uh, I, I, I don't. I, I wonder if I would have argued for it if had it been presented the other way. You know, um, uh, it's so hard to tell. But they do. One thing, uh, one thing in the movie that I really like is when Kylo is is using the Force to try to probe Ray's mind, and as he's trying to read her mind, she reads his. Yes. And says, you're afraid that you'll never be as powerful as Darth Vader. Like, when the first time I saw that, I I felt like she was just trying to say that to shake him off. But no, that's, you know, that's she true. Is sensing him. Yeah. Reading him. Yeah. I, I actually would re edit. I, like I would have re edited that scene just a little bit um, so that there's one less or maybe two less back and forths between them. Hmm. It gets a little. Right there at the end, it feels a little bit too much like you know actors aggressively looking at each other kind of thing. Um, I, th- I would have gone quicker to her reading him uh, if I were to to touch this movie. Um, one one reason why I would argue in favor of him taking the mask off in that scene is, is that the... I I feel like I feel like he did so much with his face in that scene. Well, particularly on the reveal when she says you want to you 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 can't measure up to Darth Vader. That's when you need his face. Well, no, not just then. Not just then, but when he's probing her mind. Like, oh, okay. I really, really liked watching him as he probed her mind. Because I really felt like he knows he's, like, what he's doing is totally wrong and evil and everything. And yet he's doing it without a conscience. He's not, you know, he's, he's doing it like a scientist. Exper- like, a, like a eugenicist experimenting on people, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I don't know. I thought, I thought that was uh, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it is good. I, I, you know, I think back about how Vader works so completely without, you know, the fa- the reveal of the face. Um, and I also think about uh, V for Vendetta with uh, uh, V, who's in a Yeah, you never see his face, ever. Right, and he, he's a full flesh and blood, <laughs> no pun intended, character. And uh, so I, there's a part of me that goes, ah, you could probably do that exchange with the mask on. Um, and I actually thought about, you know, I wonder if you could take, splice the interrogation scene with uh, uh, Poe, with the interrogation scene with Ray, where you have, you know, you take you take the Kylo Ren footage from the Poe sequence and mash it up with the with the Ray sequence, and you I wonder if you could actually fashion uh, uh, an interrogation scene between them without having uh, with with being able to move, remove the. I think one of the reasons the reveal. 
You still there with Breathe me? Breathe in it. Hold on. You there? Yeah, can you not hear me? Can, I, can you not hear me? No, you're like buzzing out on me. You can't hear me? I can hear you now. Yeah, go Hello? ahead. Hello? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear oh, me? Oh, okay. Weird. Yeah. Uh, yes, I can hear you fine. All right, go ahead. Uh, I think the reason that V doesn't need to take off his mask, but uh, Kylo Ren does, is that V is a fully f um, developed character due to the verbosity of his language. He talks so much that you know this character. Kylo Ren doesn't talk all that much. He, you know... I know, but you, you know, you know everything you need to know about Vader when he walks down that hallway, goes to that guy, and says, "I want the plans. Bring me them alive." Like, I want those plans. Yeah, I forget the exact dialogue, but like, you don't. You could do the same thing with, you know, words and performance there as well. Yeah. At least I think so. Um. So following that, well, they do... I, yeah, perhaps, but I am, I am saying, uh, in regards to comparing him to V, that V, we, we know him as a character because of all the things he says, more, more than just the things he does. Understood, understood. Um, so Han and Finn and, Han and Chewie uh, go to the Starkiller base to get inside, um... One of the things that I don't like, it's its a fun little line of dialogue in the moment, but in retrospect, you kind of think, that's kind of weird, is they get to the thing, and Han says to Finn, okay, what are we going to do? And Finn's like, I don't know, we'll figure it out. And he says, people's lives are on the line here. What did you used to do when you worked here? And he says, I worked in uh, maintenance or something like that. And Sanitation. And sanitation. And then I think that's where Han says, oh, people's lives are on the line here. And I'm thinking, wait a second. They got, you know, this you know, this uh, armada of people ready to attack the Starkiller base. And whenever it came to figuring out exactly what they're going to do, and they talked to Finn, they were just like, you got it? Uh, yep, I'm under, got it. Like, you want to you wanna give us some details what you can do? Uh, I got it. We're good. Like, no, seriously. I mean, we know you got it, but we need some details because we're about to send a bunch of people, you know, into fighting an entire planet. We'd like to have a little bit more, you know, uh, a little more info about what to expect. No, I, I got it. You know, like, I, I wish that, I like the moment, I like that line in the moment just because you, it kind of gives a sense of panic, you know, amongst the characters, and we get the great line when he says, we'll just use the Force, and Han says, that's not how the Force works. Uh, you probably, you wouldn't get that moment otherwise, but I don't like the idea that they, they went into combat without further getting from Finn exactly what the strategy was. And you know what, from a, from a movie standpoint, we needed that. I think it would have been much better for us to go in with a plan, knowing what the characters' plans are. And then something happening, making it so those plans, they have to improvise at that point. That's, uh, I think that's a better screenwriting there. I, I heard, uh, I remember reading somewhere that, the, uh, that they started shooting this movie before the screenplay was done. Really? <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, and, uh, um, or they started pre-production before it was done, something. And I... I that's kind of gives me it makes me wonder if some of these issues were things as a result of that um, eight and nine are going to be written by the same person, so there should be a lot more continuity there. you mean Lawrence Cassid or they are being written by the same person yeah they're regardless. they're being written by Rain Johnson, the guy who wrote and directed brick why didn't they use Lawrence Cassid? 
I don't know. I don't know. But uh, the same guy who did Brick and Looper is writing 8 and 9. He's directing uh. 8. Somebody else is directing 9. The same guy who directed uh, uh, the latest Jurassic Park movie, Jurassic World. He's directing 9? He's directing 9. Um, but the same writer for 8 and 9. So I, 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 there's a part of me that makes me wonder some of the, the smaller issues like that were were part of um, you know this, this things like in the screenplay that w- were there early and not there later. Um, so they go to the base. Uh, they get inside. They have the confrontation with Kylo. They find Rey. They, she gets out. Um, there is this one shot that I really like uh, when the Kylo Han thing happens. It's it's a it's it's in this big open cavernous area. They're on that walkway. Uh, apparently, the Empire and the First Order really aren't really big into uh, uh, guardrails. And um, there's that shot where it's... Well, uh, also, have you noticed how many scenes in Star Wars movies take place on these weird catwalks? Yes, yeah. <laughs> the Force has a fetish with catwalks, yeah. Um, the the shot where it's like mostly dark and uh, you have the shaft of light that's coming in over the heads of... Oh, who are you snapping at? Are you snapping at me? I'm, like, I'm snapping at my dog. Come on. <laughs> uh, the shaft of light that's coming in from the star that's being eaten up by the Star Killer uh, base, and um, it, it's coming up over the heads of Finn and Ray onto the catwalk where uh, Han and and Kylo are. I really like that shot. Yeah. Uh, that to me, that's a super iconic shot, and. Um, uh, I, I think that they were trying to go for this idea that as soon as the sun goes out, that sort of catalyzes uh, Kylo's decision to kill Han. Um, uh, I don't think that's I executed. Think that was just, I think that's uh, I think that's imagery. what they were. I think that's what they were going for, but I don't think it was quite that. That's that's how it played out. It came across as it's just convenient imagery to me. Well, I would have uh, if I re-edited. Um, what I would have is the, the it going out, and then that's the moment that it does. He turns on him, like, yeah, that's how I would make that. Um, but you know, the death of Han is what really creates the emotion for the death of Han. Really, is Chewie, because Chewie's reaction there was just like you know, your heart goes out to him, and then later on, you get a little scene of him alone in the Millennium Falcon, which is. Um, uh, fantastic! I, I really hope that Chewie is the guy who gets uh, the comeuppance on Kylo uh, in eight or nine. I know it's like I thought like Chewie's reaction to Han being frozen in carbonite was more severe. Hmm. Either way, like Chewie needs his Chewie needs his time in the in the spotlight. It's, hmm. uh, he's going to be co- is he piloting or co-piloting with Ray at the end? I can't quite figure that out. Oh, he's co-piloting. It specifically mentions that in the book. Really? Okay, so she's the captain. Interesting. Ray was expecting him to sit in the pilot seat. He sits in the co-pilot seat. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I hope, uh, I do hope that the Wookiee gets uh, gets to take out the Sith Lord. Um, <laughs> uh, perhaps even like a suicide get them kind of thing. I don't care. I just want that to happen. Like uh, Randy Quaid being the one that gets to blow up the ship. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Um, so then that, uh, you know, one thing that's, that's kind of, I, I can't quite piece together. Maybe you can help jog my memory, but 
Uh, you know, following that is the lightsaber fight with between Finn and Kylo uh, on the outskirts in that foresty area, which is a really well done. Um, but at the end of that fight, um, when Ray has sort of bested him, the the like the the thing like uh, the damage has been done to the Star Killer base. So it starts falling apart. There's a big crack that emerges between the two of them. Um, and then they and then Han comes up and grabs Finn and Ray, but what happens to Kylo? Does he get in the ship? I don't remember him getting into a ship or anything. You mean Chewbacca gets Finn and Ray? Oh yeah, Chewie gets Finn and Ray. Did I say Han? Han? Okay, Han has gone. Okay, so Chewie <laughs> gets Finn and Ray. Uh, what happened? Uh, Did no, we see anything that happened? All you all you see is Snoke says, "Oh well, why don't you and you know Phasma and Hux and Kylo Ren come to me." And then, you know, you don't see how they got Kylo Ren out of there. They also don't see how they got Captain Phasma out of there because it's implied she's in a, she got put in a trash compactor. Right. Um, but supposedly they're all supposed to be alive at the end. So That's interesting. I wonder if we all just sort of took it for granted that Kylo survived. Um, because the more I think about it, I'm, like, I'm wondering if the film originally intended for everybody to believe that Kylo died. In the in the death of the Death Star or the Star Killer, I remember when I first watched it, I was like, "So, is it just going to be? We're just going to say that he survived, or are we going to explain it?" Because it seemed like they didn't have a whole lot of time to go looking for him, and yeah. if they did, they wouldn't think to look at for him outside. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a little. It's weird thinking about that now because that's clearly an issue that needs to be yeah. addressed. Yeah. Um. The fight against uh, um, uh, Ray and Kylo is really well done. I there is a couple. I think she does like three. I think three times she kind of does like this uh, stabbing motion in the choreography. Um, I would, if I was editing, I'd try to cut one of those out. Maybe only do it twice. Um, I would do a little bit more work on the uh, when she kind of starts to use the force there at the end. Um, just so it's uh, it's a little more um, I don't know impactful or whatever that she starts. I don't like her just saying, "Oh yes, the force." I like I like to hear like more of the dream sequence stuff come into play there. And uh, it's kind of weird how in the middle of that lightsaber fight, she closes her eyes and like processes it for a second because yeah, Kylo is interested in trying to train her, which is really weird. Like, who is she and how does he know who she is? Because He's not just intent on killing her, he's interested in using her somehow. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, she doesn't know that. So to get to what makes her feel like she has a moment to pause and reflect. Right. And then what why do we get Kylo I know there's like the whole Sith you have to train the apprentice kind of thing, but he's he's not even in the Sith it seems, you know. And um well why? That, would su- that would suggest that maybe she is a relative. Mm. That he has a connection to her. What's interesting, though, in the book, um, as soon as she has the upper hand on him and he's down and she has a lightsaber, you, she starts getting the kill him, kill him now feelings. Oh, really? Like the dark side is already rippling at her. Hmm. Taunting her to take yeah. his life. I mean, it's 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 verbally um, suggested. Like, 
in italics. It's not just she had the she got angry and wanted to kill him, but those that's words the are striking down. Kill him. Yeah. Oh, that's something that would be fun to insert in uh, to give that a moment of pause, a little bit more weight to it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the uh, Starkiller base starts blowing up, a crack be- comes out between the two of them, Chewie picks them up, they fly off, the, the planet destroyed, uh, there's the celebration sequence, so there's a little criticism that it's kind of weird that Leia would um, uh, walk out and greet Rey and not Chewie, uh, considering Honda just died. Um, yeah, see, that's another suggestion that somehow or other they do know where she is. See, most yeah. of the, most of see, the movie is very the frustrating because... That doesn't work for me because, like, Han seems to have no idea who she is. And yes. Like, see, there seems to be an inconsistency in knowing in, in Rey. Yeah. Half the time it seems like she's nobody, and then other half the time it feels like she's somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting the, the confusion with that, the mixed messages. Yeah. I was hoping that that is intentional and will make sense <laughs> right uh, you know one thing we haven't uh talked about actually we kind of skipped over is the destruction of the hosnian system um uh, i really think it's a misstep of this movie that um that we basically see the death of billions of life you know life forms people aliens whatever and there's no there's no emotional weight to it whatsoever. Um, there doesn't seem it, to be any consequences of it. There doesn't seem to be anybody pleading for the lives. We don't even get any of the Jedi, you know, either Leia or Ray or even Luke, having like a meltdown after. after well, I have no idea what Luke was doing. I know, but I'm I'm just saying, like, of the in Jedi, the book, Leia does have some reflecting moments on it. I was thinking uh, of take, you know, she does have that moment where she kind of like is, you know, she feels something when, when Han dies, yeah. um, taking that moment and splicing it in back when the Hosnian system gets blown up mm-hmm. um, just so that there's somebody that we see reacting to it and feeling devastated um, because right now you don't have anything that's sort of, I mean, the very next thing is that they're talking about, okay, let's blow it up, you know, like uh, in the uh, the briefing room. And yeah. it, there really needs to be uh, some somberness to follow that, to really sell that moment. And because you don't really understand, like, that was that the Republic that they just destroyed, or was it random? That was, the, that was like the capital seat of the Republic. It wasn't right. the entire Republic. Right. Um, yeah, so there, it was just, it's, it, it's an unfortunate because it's shot well, it looks amazing, the, uh, it, it, it looks really well. Really one weird. thing that felt a little lacking to me is the idea that we have a republic, a new republic, and we get about 30 seconds of footage of it. Yeah, I, I wonder if that, I, I, there's a part of me that feels like that's backlash from all of the, the drama that people threw onto episode one for having too much political speak and when you're trying to introduce a movie to what, what I mean is we only see the system, we only see anything when it's actually being blown up. Right, and I, 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 I'm trying to figure out the justification for that. And I can't um, think of... Interestingly, I, in the book, when, um, when you know, they say, oh, the, the, the resistance is in the alien system, Snoke says... Okay, well, let's blow up the alien system. And Kylo Ren says, "Why do we have to blow up the whole system? 
it's only you know that that seems that seems a little rash. Why don't we blow up their planet and then try to like conquer the rest of the system or something? And it's like it's interesting that he's not he is not as committed to evil <laughs> as Snoke is. You <laughs> know. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. So the you know Snoke ends up being a really uh, interesting character. Uh, first off, the CG seems so right at home in episodes one, two, and three, but so out of left field in episode seven. Um, I'm hoping that uh, by the time eight and nine rolls along, that he's not CG. Although I suspect that he still will be. Oh, he will be because yeah. it's CG circus in a costume. Or in a oh, motion capture suit. Yeah, that's right. And that's and that's frustrating because you know in the Lord of the Rings and in the Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. he his character is, is rendered so well. Uh, and in this movie, he just didn't look all that great. No, he didn't. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that we're in retrospect going to be able to chalk it up. Well, that's just the hologram technology. It makes it look, you know, cheesy. Um, if 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 uh, an editor goes back and you know makes the fan edit of seven, if they're really sophisticated, I hope that they can redo his visual appearance to make it look like um, you know the old holograms like the way uh, the Emperor looks in episode yeah. 5 uh, the just, Emperor does not look animated he looks like a real person right and to to change it so much so that it, it kind of hides the, the bad CGI there or the, the CGI that just yeah I, I mean, we have to say it's bad because we don't like the way it looks so that makes it that means it's bad by default um and there's a lot of speculation as to whether Snoke is a, uh, a an, an, an alias for a different name. Um, oh well, that's that's my other that's the other thing that I cling to to suggest that this is the same a continuation of the same story, and that is the very popular uh, fan theory that that Snoke is actually Darth Plagueis. I really like this idea. I and love it. Yes, because that's the few. That's the that's the last little thing that can really tie it in to episode one. In the book, he clearly says, "I saw, I went, you know, I saw the entire story." Rise of and fall Empire. of the Empire, exactly. Yeah, and uh, it, it just it, it would seem so devious that he would want, he would have been killed or supposedly killed by his um, his apprentice. Who would have been? Who would end up being the emperor? And then, if he was the one who uh, did the virgin birth thing on Anakin, then it was a roundabout way for him to take out his apprentice who betrayed him. And uh, well, yeah, and that and that while Palpatine was was machinating everything from behind the scenes throughout the those six movies somebody else was machinating behind him. <laughs> and now we get to see that. See, that makes this feel like, oh, this is all the same. It's like in Scream 3 when they're like, if you get a lot of backstory and you find out things that were always true that you didn't know, that's how we, that's that's how this theory feels to me. It's like, okay, you know, in Scream 3, we introduce a brand new character who says, oh, I killed um, Marine Prescott. And you're like, what? But then when he explains it, it is, it is a retcon, to be fair. But he explains it in a way where he is central to the entire trilogy. Hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so that's why I – that's what I, I have high hopes about. Yeah. If he is, in fact, Plagueis, then this quote-unquote brand-new character is central to the entire saga. 
I hope that that is the case. And yeah. I mean, he if 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 the book is already suggesting that he's been there since the rise and fall, before the empire. Um, well, I mean, so so has Masconada. Uh, well, the book. Okay, but fair enough. But I'm the impression from. Uh, from the movies is that there are no other Sith outside of the Emperor, Darth Maul, Vader, etc. To be fair, they're never referred to as the Sith. They aren't? No. They're, they're the Knights of Ren. Oh, you're talking about... Not, okay. Not the yeah. Sith. And then Supreme Leader Snoke is never referred to as a Sith. No, 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 no. But... We're 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 they're certainly taking that placeholder, and we don't see in the other episodes we don't see any other uh, Sith outside of that. So the Snoke person who comes out, it's it's be it would be weird if he's a new person thing altogether yeah. that kind of came up over the last thirty years. If you have the two central antagonists in Episode Seven be the heir of Skywalker. And the and the master behind Palpatine, then we've definitely got an episode seven on our hands, and not a sequel. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That's if Rey ends up being a Skywalker. With or without her being a Skywalker. If the antagonists in the story are the grandson of Anakin and the man who created Anakin, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, then. We've got an episode yeah, seven on our hands. Yeah, In other yeah. words, we we are still resolving that story. Yeah. And um, well, uh, going back to the movie, um, they celebrate their thing. She takes Luke. She goes to Luke and gives him the lightsaber. R two sort of wakes up in sort of this unfortunate Deus ex machina kind of way. Um. I will say something that's really interesting that I thought was interesting. Um, if you look at that shot of C-3PO, BB-8, and R2 when he's waking up, it looks like that shot could have been ripped out of Episode Four. Um, the way it's staged, the way it's framed, the way it's lit, um, uh, e- even like the reflections on CPU's eyes. They, it, I was just kind of standing. Did you say CPU? C <laughs> C-3PO, C-3PO. Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, the way the light sort of refracts, refracts off of his eye sockets, I was like, I, I, I remember just staring at that in the theater going, geez, this looks, they, they must have like gotten the cameras out from the vault, you know, in the same lighting, because it looks, they, they obviously did their homework uh, mm-hmm. trying to mimic the old shooting style of 4, 5, and 6, um, which unfortunately is very contrasty to 1, 2, and 3. Um but that shot uh, of them is more is more evident of that than almost that I noticed than any other shot in the piece. Um, R two wakes up. They get the, the 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 last piece to where Luke is, and they give him the saber. And we've already talked about those changes. So when episode seven comes out, uh, like I said, back uh, we'll be, I think it's in April. Um, we'll start seeing the fan edits drop from that a couple of weeks after afterwards. I imagine. And um, soon, uh, yeah, I think a couple of weeks. Yeah, two weeks. I mean, I realize month. you can totally storyboard the whole thing without the movie, but yeah, would it take would you be able to do it that fast? I think so. I think there's going to be people who are really committed to being to wanting to do it, and maybe even have the first one out. That kind of thing. Now, um, here's a question: Do you 
do you think that there will be fan edits of this movie done because it can be done? Or do you feel like only people who feel like I have something to say will make them? I think that you're going to have a little more of the latter category. Uh, for example, you don't see episode, you don't see fan edits, a whole lot of them, of four and five. Because oh, but, okay. People, but for instance, like for instance, um, do you think, I, it seems to me that you, I mean, obviously you're not planning to make one, but it, but that you have a certain mentality of let's, like we already know when we were doing the the other podcast, we were already saying, "Oh yeah, we're gonna do another podcast about seven after the fan edits come out." We are mm-hmm. assuming before we've seen the movie, there will be fan edits, which means if 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 we are assuming there will be fan edits without any idea of what could be improved, yeah. we are suggesting that people will make them regardless. Yeah, um, it's either that or they make a basically a perfect movie, and I think we can just reliably say that they're just not going to do that. So uh, even if it was better and answered all the questions that we have or, or addresses all the problems that we, we come up with, uh, there's still going to be one or two things that people are going to go, and make, you know, well, my episode seven has, you know, 30 seconds removed, and it's the 30 seconds everybody wanted removed anyway. I, you would see those pop up now and again. Or, you know, I'm sure there's going to be one scene or two scenes that are deleted scenes that we're going to want seen back in. And I really hope that when they release the deleted footage that they do so, that, that it's in HD, that it's all post-processed, like it's, you know, right out of the, the picture itself. Um, it's going to be really disappointing if they only release it in, like, um, standard definition or if the effects aren't finished. Um, that could be disappointing. I have to say, of all of the fan edits that we saw, my single favorite moment is the scene in episode four that was re- re- reordered where Luke and Obi-Wan have their first real conversation. Mm-hmm. Where he gives him, ends up giving him the lightsaber. It just blows my mind that you basically chop that scene into three and <laughs> shift the seat, the shift them around, yeah. and it totally flows. Not only does it totally flow, but it feels like this was the actual intended <laughs> scene. Yeah. And that the other version, the original version, was somehow edited incorrectly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it blows my mind. I just love that. Well, uh, I have I don't have a whole lot more to to say about episode seven. I think we you know we did talk a lot, uh, you know, a lot of the things that kind of troubled us or wish it was this instead of that that kind of thing. I I I I don't want to get the impression that I think that this is a bad like because we can count that these flaws it's bad or or whatnot. It's really not. I I would put episode seven firmly in the uh in competition in competition with episode five as the second best oh it's the second best yeah mm-hmm. uh i i, I, I it depends on my mood if i would go between five and seven um i think when the fan edits come out of seven i might be more inclined to say it's the second best real quick um somewhere in the last couple of days i saw the snippet clip from episode five of Luke screaming no when he when Vader says, I'm your father. Okay. And the second no, he says, no, no, you know? Yeah. It just, it, 
it gave me chills because I was thinking, imagine, imagine if you were told, you know, your father was Superman, and then he was killed by Hitler, and you you go out there, I'm Superman's son, and I want to be like Superman, and you know, I'm gonna do all this great super stuff, and I'm gonna kill, and I'm gonna fight Hitler, and Hitler goes, actually, I am Superman, and I'm your dad. Can you imagine what that would do to you? It's not just finding out that the most wicked man in the in the world is your dad. It's having your entire world, your entire concept of reality destroyed. Yeah. It's 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 way more than just hey, this I'm you know your your dad's a bad dude. It is you have been you have been living a lie for all these years, thinking that your dad was, you know, either a a, a, a peaceful pilot or that he was some kind of hero. You know, <laughs> I just think that that's great, especially because you know, Mark Hamill didn't know up until they were right, right, up until they shot that scene that that was going to be the the line. He, um, it was a secret, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I that just it's fantastic. <laughs> well, well, there you have it. Uh, episode seven, for what it's worth. And um, oh, I do have one final thought. Go ahead. I was really a little disappointed and let down that there was some sort of a, a force ghost explanation or whatever. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because I feel I feel the the great. No, go ahead. Well, it just seems to me that if he's going to commune with Darth Vader's helmet, that we should have some Natalie Portman in the yeah. movie too. <laughs> I was about to say a picture of Natalie somewhere. A hologram yeah. of her waving to the camera. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, perhaps on every wall <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, if the uh, if the stop motion um, game had been launched and instead of a whole bunch of different creatures, it's all Natalie Portman uh, images. A, a Natalie Portman stop motion movie. That's yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, uh, you know, yeah. She's gone, but uh, you know, there's still eight and nine, still a chance, still a chance. A Snoke could be easily like <laughs> she didn't she didn't really lose the will to live. I made it appear that way so that I could Bring recruit her, her to back. my side. <laughs> That's why Leia remembers her very briefly. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Maybe uh, it's not a plot hole. See, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it. She lost the will to live. Maybe the robot just had no clue why she was dying. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, let's wrap it up. Uh, that's episode seven. Um, we're expecting a lot of fan edits from it. I'm sure they're going to cover a lot of the topics we talked about. I'm, I'm sure the crawler is going to be the same. Uh, crawler is going to be different. Um, I think we're going to see some changes with that Rothgar sequence between Han and his bounty hunters. I think we're going to see some uh, some interesting edits on um, on the, the death of the Hosnian system. I think people are going to play around and see if they can't try to squeeze some emotion in there that's not there in the original. And um, I know some people are, are kind of touchy about that final, final, final shot of Luke uh, with that helicopter shot circling him. I um, think we might see that removed on a few edits. Um, really? You think it'll just be his face? Yeah, and then you'll do one of those circly zoom uh, fades with the black coming in. Yeah. Hmm. Um, not saying I, I would do that myself. I, I would just cut a little bit earlier to the helicopter shots, a little too much of them looking back and forth, just like there's too much of Kylo and Ray looking back and forth and stuff. So. This is also the last, the first movie that didn't, like, 
end with a bunch of establishing shots of the characters. I mean, yes, we have an established shot of Luke and and, and uh, Ray, but like we don't get an establishing shot of anybody else. Mm. And in even in like episode two, where the characters are all scattered all over the place, you get multiple establishing shots. In episode three, you get multiple establishing shots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, we'll. Uh... I give him a break on that one. Uh, JJ did a good job. The team, the Star Wars guys, they did a good job. Now let I'm, me ask you a question. I remember several years ago when it was first announced that JJ Abrams was going to be doing mm-hmm. Episode Seven. You said you felt like that was the safe choice. Oh, it totally was. Like I said, they they didn't go for a home run. They went for a triple. Hmm. Yeah. So who do you think could have done it better? Oh, uh, who would have really taken a chance with it and made it uh, really, really work? Um, I would have liked to have seen I it's I know they never would have done it but maybe Spielberg um, well you say they never would have done it but Spielberg was Lucas's first choice to direct Return of the Jedi I don't think Spielberg after he sold it would have said now I'm going to direct your movie now I, I don't think he had that in well it. yeah no you're right you're right um, although I think he would have been terrific at the helm um I also think uh, I think you go old school and get uh, John McTiernan, um, the guy who did the Die Hard, uh, Die Hard one and three. I think uh. he did, might have done two as well. Like, um, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't really thought about who I would like to see other than JJ, um, to be honest. But either a big name like that, like a, a Spielberg. Or somebody who's really got their a really good foot in how to do action well. I wonder what an Oliver Stone Star mm. Wars movie would be like. Mm. <laughs> once a once a Sith, all what was they say? Once a Sith, always a Sith. <laughs> <laughs> once first order, always first order. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Uh, I, I'm going to actually put some brain cells on that and see if I can't come up with a list of people I think would be good directors for this franchise other than Spielberg because uh, he'd be my go-to guy but anyway all right uh that's it that's the end of the episode thank you for listening greg thank you for doing the chit chat thing you're welcome all right sorry uh, i made noise yeah <laughs> uh yeah that's us wrapping up uh see you